I, I doubt that Tua is going to be healthy by the combine. So um, I, I don't, you know, that's a quarterback off the board potentially. I'm kind of calling it a hedge tank. Okay. Uh, because, you know, by playing Ryan Finley, no one uh, would contend that playing Ryan Finley gives you the best chance to win over playing Andy Dalton. On this episode of Against the Grain, we're going to talk tanking. Has it arrived in the NFL? And is it a good strategy? All right, let's go. We are cutting against the grain. Against the grain. Against the grain. Against the grain. Now your host for Against the Grain. Against the grain. Here's Andrew Perloff. Welcome to the Against the Grain podcast. We're through 11 weeks of the NFL season. It's pretty clear certain teams are not going to win a lot of games. One team in particular, my Cincinnati Bengals, seems to be making choices that ensure they will lose and likely have the number one pick. They're 0-10. They're starting Ryan Finley, the rookie out of NC State. Even the coach has basically admitted in so many words that Ryan Finley does not give them the best chance of winning a game. It is clearly Andy Dalton, who hasn't played great this year. You know, he hasn't had A.J. Green. Uh, the defense is still just awful, number 32 in the NFL. So they're not going to win a lot of games anyway, but they might win one or two with Andy Dalton. They're probably going to win next to none with Ryan Finley. So the question is, are they tanking? Why do people not have a problem with that? I asked Mario, who produces against the grain, how come no one's upset about the Bengals tanking except for me? Why are people not upset about the Bengals tanking? Thank well, you, Mario. That was really well said. That's actually what I just said. I, I think nationally people don't care about the Bengals. Yeah, that's what I was going to go with. I don't know who really... I mean, when was the last time they were really relevant outside of uh, you know Marvin Lewis re- retaining his job for 18,000 years? Okay, number two pick is the Redskins, who are 1-9 and starring Dwayne Haskins over Colt McCoy and Case Keenum. That's a subtle tank job, too. Not, it's not the same. They don't care about draft position. They already have their quarterback... But they'd rather see what they have in Haskins and let them learn on the job than actually win games. I think the same, probably not. You could say a little bit for the number three pick right now, the New York Giants. I don't know if Eli wins any more games or Daniel Jones. They're basically the same guy. Yeah. Then the team that we all thought was tanking, the Dolphins, have improved to two and eight, are sitting with the number four pick, which is in a really confusing spot. They might miss out on their quarterback. Yep. We're going to talk today to NFL.com draft analyst Lance Zierlein and Find out if there are any quarterbacks that are really worth tanking for, any players. And we're also going to talk to the Athletics' Paul Daner Jr., who is the Cincinnati Bengals beat reporter, was with the Cincinnati Inquirer for years. Find out if the Bengals are really tanking, which we all know they are. Um, But before we get to all that, I have a confession to make. Let's hear it. This involves you, Mario. Okay. So I was at the Eagles-Patriots game on Sunday, and I do... Some local radio before the game for Fox Sports The Gambler. Yeah. And there's something called Xfinity Live outside of the link in Philadelphia. It's this really cool like bar restaurant setup. I describe it like a a mall, but it's only bars inside. Yes. It's mob with people. And you texted me and you're like, hey, I'm here tailgating. Yep. Uh, I'd like to go to Xfinity Live. So I go there for my local spot on Fox Sports The Gambler. And the doorman is like, yo, McLovin, what's up, buddy? I totally could have gotten you in, but I didn't want to have to stick around to get you in because I wanted to get back inside the warm stadium. So I, th- I feel like I did you wrong. So you were outside 
In the freezing case. cold. Yes. That was it was really miserable. Really, really cold that day. Yeah, I, I, I probably could have gotten you into Xfinity Live. And I have to tell you, there were so many young women there, and they were all looking for guys to talk to. You uh, owe me one. I take that as you owe me one. Well, I don't know. That was a late game. I don't know if Xfinity Live is ever going to be that bumping again. It was actually crazy crowded. It, the whole area was just super crazy well, it's always It's always crazy, but it was a 425 start, and the tailgate is amped by 200% if you give mm-hmm. that three hours of drinking in yeah, there. Yeah. Same thing happens, I think, at every stadium. Mm-hmm. It's funny because the Eagles played the Seahawks this weekend. It was originally an 820 game. That was That's like New Year's Eve level tailgating because that means they get there at like noon on a Sunday uh, and just party for eight hours straight before the game. Luckily that's for the Philadelphia police, they moved it to 1 p.m. <laughs> and by the way, this is not, you think this was wild? I grew up going to Veterans Stadium. Uh, my dad's company had season tickets that sometimes we got access to. Mm-hmm. It was it was really wild. It was the Wild West. It's famous. You know, th- that's where the Veterans Stadium, they had the jail in the stadium. That was crazy. But of all the tailgates you've been to and you've been to some college games this year, mm-hmm. where do you put Philly? Uh, number one. Yeah, yeah. I put it right at the top. Just, it, I mean, it's just everything that you can think it is. Fans are super into it. There right. was a live band where I was. Trumpet. Yeah. There was like a five piece live band. There was trumpets. All this. People were freaking out. The food was great. Um, there was all kind of food. I had lobster bisque. I had Philly cheesesteak, sausage and peppers, um, and just the vibe is. I mean, I feel like you have to be an Eagle fan to truly enjoy it one hundred percent. But the vibe was a lot of fun. Everybody was drinking. I had a great time. Awesome, man. I'm glad you had a good time. I'm Except sorry for the because, fact that I didn't yeah. get into it. Sorry I didn't get you in. It's funny. I don't know. Like, I'm not sure where my fame level is in Philly uh, because I was doing this pregame show with my buddy Sean Brace yeah. and David Akers, and they're like, give me an E, give me an A. Everyone's screaming. It's David Akers. Everyone's screaming. And hey, it's McLovin from the Dan Patrick Show. You could hear a cricket. Really? In the entire, no, Xfinity Live went quiet. It was like the record scratch, uh, <laughs> but it was a good time. All right, get back to tanking. Uh, you know, obviously, I'm an Andy Dalton fan mm-hmm. in Cincinnati. Don't ask why. Long story. I did a feature on him when he was at TCU. Yeah. Thought he's a great guy. Always thought he was underrated. But now the Bengals are just doing him wrong. I totally. I'm. I root for people. I don't want anyone to get fired. I want Zach Taylor to be fired. I really? think it's ridiculous that he's sitting Andy Dalton for Ryan Finley when he can win games here. That's his call. He goes 0-16. I mean, he's going to go down in NFL history as one of the 0-16 coaches. I don't think they're going to go 0-16. They could win some games. I think I think Dalton will get in and win a game anyway. What do you think, Mario? But Once you go, you know, you drop to 0-7, 0-8, is there yeah. a point in trying to win games at that point? I mean, it well, it's not starts to look to the future. It's not the NBA. Nobody, there's no history of tanking. Uh, well, when was their history of tanking before, like, the Sixers? Has there? I mean, oh, it's yeah, just of a course. thing, you the know? Spurs tanked to get uh, to Tim Duncan. Tim Duncan. Yeah, there's... T- oh, my gosh. NBA has had tanking for decades. I think it's just a thing that's happening across sports now. The Astros did it before uh, 2017. Yeah, Cubs got rid of all... Yeah. You know, there's forms of tanking, but it, the NFL's been above that. The NFL's just so competitive, you just can't picture it. Mm-hmm. I think it's going to be an interesting problem. You know, they're talking about 17 games. If you have tanking teams, you're going to have a lot of non-competitive games. Yes. I mean, the NBA's getting hurt this year. Tank, tanking, load management, flopping, all the all the anti-competitive little things that happen in the NBA uh-huh. are not good, in my opinion. No. And like the NFL has been pretty lucky. There's an intensity to NFL football. Listen, I'm a process guy. I don't mind tanking in the NBA, mm-hmm. but I'm being a total hypocrite <laughs> here. I 
I do have a little bit of a problem within this case because the, the season's too short and too precious for that. Yeah. Football's too, you know, what makes football sort of different is the intensity. You know, you, you might even see it more in college football. It's just like, you know, I, I have problem with the head injuries and stuff, but I do appreciate what these guys do. You know, mm-hmm. they really put themselves out there and to see a, one team tanking while everyone else is trying just feels off to me. It, it, the Cincinnati Bengals feel off to me. They're, also, they're so bad on defense. But we'll get into all that with Paul Dater Jr. But right now, it's my good friend, Lance Zierlein, who's going to help us break down the upcoming draft class to see who is worth tanking for. All right, Lance, I know that you are early in the process of studying the upcoming draft class, but I, I know even before you get to look at guys on tape, you have a general awareness. Real simple question. Is this a draft class that is worth tanking for? Um, I don't think so. Yeah? No, I don't think so, but then it really depends on... But look, I'm anti-tanking, one, and then number two... I think it depends on what your needs are. So it's, you know, the Tua injury has thrown it into a flux. And and we, despite what we hear on the negative side and the positive side, I I have to let this thing play out and teams have to let this thing play out and they have to see Tua at the combine. And then they'll have to see him again, likely on a medical recheck. Cause I'm, I I doubt that Tua is going to be healthy by the combine. So um, I, I don't, you know, that's a quarterback off the board, potentially, as a top pick, maybe not. I don't know, but so I'm not. I'm not really that comfortable with with feeling like, oh yeah, no, this is this is definitely the, the time you can take. I up to this point, I have not seen a top five tackle. Um, I don't know that there is one big time lockdown corner. Your quarterbacks are a guy right now who has a you know a shattered pelvis, and Justin Herbert, who you know came on at the end of the year, but I know there was. Cons- Scouts are a little ho hum on him, you know, midway through the season, and then you have Joe Burrow, who has had an incredible year. It's been one year of this incredible production, and then he's not going to really offer you elite physical traits. So, I don't know. I mean, Chase Young is clearly the best player. He's the top uh, talent in the draft. So, but but I'm not sure that he is going to factor as the first pick since those teams who are fighting for the first pick are all likely going to need a quarterback, or at least, you know, at least yeah. some of them, most of them. Well, a little less this year, because you got the Redskins are bad, the Giants yeah. are bad, um, you know, and they have a quarterback. But, hey, a couple yeah, questions about, Jets, yeah. That's all need quarterback. I mean, we're talking about teams who, you know, obviously the Dolphins and obviously the Bengals, those are the two that come to mind. I have a couple questions about what you just said. Joe Burrow doesn't have elite physical traits. He's fast. He's tall. What did you mean good by athlete. that? Um, he has good size. He has average NFL starter size. Yeah. Um, but but you know, I, the average NFL starter is like 6'3", 223. He's going to be a little less than that. His arm his arm strength is below average, Yep. Uh, below the NFL average. And I'm, that's not out of – anybody who really studies it and is objective and is, and is not an LSU fan will say that, and it's nothing. Joe knows it. He works on it in the offseason. He works with sports science, with Tom House and all those guys. Yeah to get it improved. Uh, so that's that's really nothing new. What he has is, you know, teams usually love to find guys with elite physical traits, elite mobility, elite size, elite arm talent. They always want things that really pop. And Joe's not a really pop guy. What he is is he's an avalanche of intangibles that end up 
scaring defenses this year, and it's crazy because I watched him. I watched him this summer, and his tape was not. You'll you'll hear people try to fool you with. Well, if you had seen the last four games, look, Joe improved last year, but his numbers on the move, his numbers with pressure in his face, they are substantially different this year from last year. And when you look at his level of competition that he played, it wasn't that great last year in the last four games. And the best team was Texas A&M, who he faced. So uh, Joe Burrow is a different quarterback this year, a completely different quarterback. And um, and I feel like he's locked in. Like I, I, I feel pretty confident that Joe Burrow, that the guy I saw last year is, is no more. Like he's grown as a quarterback. Yeah. He's improved. He's gone through the stages of, 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 uh, uh, the evolution, you know, kind of the evolution of of a of a quarterback who grows into his potential and develops as a signal caller, and um, he has the most important, uh, I think, traits for success, and that's poise, that's leadership, mm-hmm. it's toughness, and it's accuracy. He's got all of those. None of those are in question right now. I mean, maybe it's as simple as Joe Brady came there and helped him a lot, but I think so. Uh, I, yeah, I think he was headed in that direction. I think it's a okay. perfect storm where. He was headed in that direction anyway because the background on Burrow. There was a fantastic article about him in the in the Athletic uh, that talked about you know him working on his arm strength and things like that when he was you know when he used to Urban Meyer used to go after him about having a weak arm uh, at Ohio State and so I read through that article and it's it's really really good gives you good insight into his background so I think he was headed in this direction anyway the the those intangibles I talked about other than that elite accuracy last year, which was, you know, it wasn't, I, I it was a little more up and down this year inside of this offense with Joe Brady. I think all the, the growth mm. that Burrow was in the midst of making anyway, regardless, it is the perfect storm with an offense that allows him to pick teams apart uh, specifically and primarily through short and intermediate throws uh, between the hashes, and then if you want to single him up, he can throw uh, accurate deep ball shots at you on the sideline, uh, deep sideline. So I think it's a, kind of a perfect storm of things coming together. It's funny. I had a conversation with our buddy Matt Miller, Bleacher Report draft analyst. He was, he had an interesting point. There has to be a bit of a narrative around a top quarterback pick. Like it's not just what you see on tape. Sometimes I, th- and maybe this is not true, but you have to build a little bit of a story either inside and maybe a little bit outside the building. And I'm thinking about Cincinnati, I, you know, famously cheap scouting staff. I feel like if the world gets really excited about Joe Burrow, if you're Mike Brown, you're going to take Joe Burrow. I, I, it feels like everything will, will lead that direction. Do you think that it's possible that that one position, it's more than just looking at talent on tape and more than interviews. It's also sort of this, general public narrative about a quarterback or is that just what the media thinks i think it's more media driven because in the building they're they're already developing their their opinions on guys anyway but it's interesting because you know i i were i work on the the media side the draft media side with nfl.com but i have discussions with people who are actually in the nfl who do this and so i kind of straddle the, the 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 line on both sides i see it from both sides and you know, I'll talk to my guy at NFL Network, Charlie Uke, about different uh, storylines about different players because I, I and I'm also a content creator on the radio side and the draft side. So I recognize that storylines make the world go around right. the media side. I mean, that's that's huge for us in the media. And so we, 
I do it on a daily basis on my, my morning talk, talk show. I mean, we create storylines, and you try to have accurate storylines or you have compelling storylines. And so I work with, with my one of my you know bosses or one of the guys who is a bigwig over there in terms of the draft coverage, Charlie Uke, and, and sending him thoughts and stories yeah. about different narratives. I think with Joe Burrow, the narrative, interestingly enough, I think is going to be – not only the on the negative side, it's look, this is one year and it's in a system. Maybe that will be the counter, but I would not be surprised if the narrative becomes, is this the next Brady? Is this the next mm-hmm. Montana? And the reason is because those guys were underwhelming physically, but they had all those same intangibles we talked about, and they became elite all-time great quarterbacks and that seems so crazy for me to make a statement about a guy that i thought was a sixth or seventh rounder wow is that really what you thought interesting i swear i mean i didn't i didn't see enough accuracy i didn't see um a strong enough arm to make nfl throws but then when you see him in a different offense and you remember wait a minute and if he is put in the right kind of offense that that accentuates his strengths and doesn't force him into throws that he's not going to be as good at making against tight man coverage, well, then you have to reassess a quarterback. I mean, quarterbacks, and you've been doing this a long time. You've studied quarterbacks for a long time. I think there is something to be said for quarterbacks needing to find the right fits for a chance to succeed. And, And with more and more teams being willing to fit their offense around the quarterback's strengths, I think that's why we're going to start seeing better hit percentages on young quarterbacks now than we've seen in the past. Kind of like you mean like like with the Ravens and Lamar Jackson? Is that sort of what you're referring uh, to? Absolutely. I think what Texans do with Deshaun Watson. Mm-hmm. Um, I think with, with uh, well, not so much Philadelphia because Wentz can operate in any and all offenses. He's a full field reader. But yeah, I think what Cleveland has been doing with Baker Mayfield, Baker hasn't had the same success this year that he had last year. But we see that they're willing to make changes in terms of how they build offenses around these players. And Kyler Murray, they they knew they were going to get Kyler Murray. Arizona knew they were going to get Kyler Murray. I believe that's why they hired Cliff Kingsbury, because I think somewhere in the back of Steve Kahn's mind, he already knew who his quarterback was going to be. Interesting. Uh, I wish they had told us. I wish Kyler could have told Dan Patrick that one fateful interview that he was going to go play. But... uh, That that's so interesting. Uh, you know, it's you're talking about fit, and we were talking about the bang. I think the Bengals really have a, an angle for the number one pick, especially if they keep playing Ryan Finley. But there's no way. I mean, it's the worst spot for Joe Burrow. I mean, I don't think AJ Green comes back there, and if he does, he's never healthy. The the other thing, the defense is so bad there. It's like I, I feel like you almost need like a superhero to play quarterback there to do anything. How is he possibly unless Zach Taylor really has the goods? Talking about how do you build around that situation? They need to draft well, Chase I mean, Young. They need to get to a quarterback at some point. And I just feel like it's a worse place for a quarterback. You're in a rebuild. Miami, you could argue, with all the draft capital they have, is in much better position and much better shape to build very quickly. And I think that could happen. I, we'll see if Brian Flores' message catches on the, in the locker room. They, they seem to be playing hard for him still. We've seen some, you know, we, we've seen them have. Uh, um, a moderate amount of success. They've been more competitive lately. So uh, when I say moderate amount of success in the very, very small sample size of the last three or four weeks. However, with, uh, you know, we look at 
at Cincinnati, you're in a you're in a tear down to the studs situation, and hard to believe uh, two years ago that they would have been in this spot, but that's really where they are. So, if you're going to do that, I think you need to start stockpiling some picks if you can. I think they would have been wise to, you know, maybe move some players out or shop some players around before the trade deadline was over. Yeah, just to look at adding some picks, and they didn't do that, which I think was uh, was ultimately a mistake because they clearly were not going to be competitors in the division by the by the trade deadline you could see that and then you know for me you just got to go you got to have a process that says this is the kind of players these are what Bengals are going to look like these are our processes for our standards for height weight speed our standards for what we look for without having a solid person at the top a gm who controls everything and who says this is what you know Bengals football is i think you're always going to have a disconnect um, in terms of your process. And so you may not be on the same, you know, on the same, uh, on, on, on the same side philosophically of, of all of your offensive and defensive players. And so I think that's one of the problems is what you have to do at Cincinnati is you almost have to look at this year's draft and say, okay, what is it heavy in offense, defense? Let's start to build our offense. And it starts with offensive line. It always does. You can ask the Colts. You can get better much. You can get better quickly if you can dominate people up front. So it starts from the fronts, offensive and defensive line. Find those kind of guys. Maybe you just want to build the fronts in year one. But you need to have a plan and a purpose. Find out where the deepest, um, you know, where the where the deepest positions are in the draft. Go find guys that you really really like. Trust your evaluation, and then go target very specific types of players in very specific rounds who fit who fit the process and it has to be like a two or three year plan that you have in place for how we're going to rebuild the Bengals to fit. And and just for this argument, Joe Burrow, how are we going to make Joe better? Okay. Well, we got to get better tackle. All right. This is what we're going to do. How are we going to bet? You know, and you start looking at free agency, how are we going to make Joe Burrow better? How are we going to make this? Well, the best way to make Joe Burrow better is to stop the run. Because if we can stop the run and get teams in passing situations, we might be able to spend money on a pass rusher and have some success rushing the passer, which will help our secondary. You know what I mean, Andrew? You totally. Gotta, you, you have to have a coherent plan yep. that has several pieces and parts to it. I'm sorry. This is why I'm not a fan of tanking, to be honest with you. Yeah. I'm not a fan of tanking because what it, it this is not basketball and this is not baseball, where you have an 82 yep. and 162 game schedule. You don't have – the minor league of, of baseball and in basketball, let's face it, the the only teams that really thrive, generally speaking, are with that process is 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 you've got to hit the lottery in the lottery. You've got to get a superstar in the lottery. Yeah. And you look at what I mean, Philadelphia got several players and they've actually missed on a couple. So I'm not a big fan of tanking in the NFL because Ozzy Newsom showed you don't have you have to pick in the top five yeah. to 10 to build, you know, hall of fame, uh, caliber rosters or to find all pro caliber players. You don't have to do that. If you know how to evaluate talent, you have a process. Yeah. I'm keep thinking about, it. I know you're good friends with Chris Ballard, the Colts GM. You're basically describing, it seems like everything he's done since he's got there. Just a more, yeah. it's not about, I mean, yeah, it's about Quentin Nelson and it's about Darius Leiter, but it's also about, just a consistency throughout the, the program. I, well, that, I completely agree. Do. I mean, yeah. you look at how they drafted Braden Smith was a second round pick yeah. from Auburn. Um, how they've done that, they, what they've done, they went and got 
running backs with height, weight, speed. Yep. That's been a target of theirs. They went and said, we got to build the defensive front. They drafted Kamiko Turi. They, they drafted Taekwon Lewis. They, you know, added obviously Darius Leonard, a playmaker. They, everything that they've done has been part of the master plan that Chris had when he got there. And so I don't think it's anything that's, you know, it's not the Coke recipe. I mean, yeah. you go in with a concept of building the fronts. That's, that's not brand new. That's, you know, Bill, Bill Parsons, Bill Belichick does that. You want to go look at who Bill Belichick spends early round picks on defensive front seven and offensive line. He's not afraid to spend the first or second round picks on those guys. Totally. Um, by the way, I have this secret fan. It's not even that secret. Yeah. I know you're close to Ballard. You know, you actually have a lot of scouting experience. I think you could work for the Colts in the scouting department. I'm in some sort of PR media role, and we just take the whole show to Indy. Pat McAfee's there. Because I love Indy. What do you say we become Colts employees? I know teams don't pay, but how sick would that be to win a Super Bowl? It'd be, I mean, it would be great. Look, I would actually love um, for me to ever go do something like that and leave the radio gig, which yeah. you know is a pretty sweet gig. Yeah. It'd have to be a heck of an offer. And then I've also do the NFL stuff as well. So, it has to be a great offer, but one of the things that is appealing to me is being part of it. You know the yeah. the old the old line from Hamilton: "I want to be in the room where it happens." Well, there is some validity. I think being putting putting it on the line like Mike Mayock did, where yep. it's not just your opinion now. Now it matters. I mean, now it's it's kind of nut cutting time, and you gotta you gotta have conviction. And hey, there's something appealing about at least on the surface uh, about going in and being part of something that's built from the ground up and having success with other people and being part of a, a plan that, that, that bears fruit. But at the same time, you know, you don't just, it's not like radio where you feel comfortable from day to day. It doesn't feel comfortable at all. Even after you win your mm. comfort levels two two games and that's it. And I know that from having a dad who coached in the NFL, you don't get to be happy for very long. Interesting. You know, but there has been a couple writers who made the jump. Luke Wynn, my former SI buddy, is with the Raptors, won a title. And uh, the Lee Jenkins went to the Clippers. And I think the Raiders hired a writer. I'm not sure. Do you remember? Do you know any NFL writers who've made the jump off the top of your I head? Think, uh, actually, did Nolan, I think Nolan Naraki got hired by the Raiders. Nolan? Yeah, the guy you replaced at NFL.com? I did not yeah, realize yeah, that. Yeah, guy from Pro Football Weekly for yeah. years and years. Took the heat on the, the Cam Newton. Yeah. And, um, RG three stuff. Nolan is a, I think Nolan's a tremendously gifted evaluator, yeah. and uh, I think he ended up getting hired by the Raiders. I know he was really tight with Mike Mayock. Oh, good for him. Okay, you yeah. say there are no left tackles, by the way. I'm looking at the top ten picks as they are right now. Well, no, there, there's some. I don't know if there's a top five left well, tackle. I think that's like you. You just basically said you have to build the lines. Everybody desperately needs a left tackle in this top ten. You go to the Bengals, definitely. Redskins, big time. Uh, Giants, I don't think they want to keep paying Nate Solder. Dolphins, nope. we know they got rid of Tunsil. Jets, desperate. They need any, and by the way, they'd be happy with any lineman. Bucks, I don't know about Bucks. I'm assuming so. I Yeah, Bucks need a tackle. Broncos, desperate tackle. Broncos need a tackle now, yeah. Falcons. Falcons, oh, did they ever. Uh, Jake Matthews, Falcons, he's fine, right? I don't know if they're going to draft. They just yeah, drafted Lindstrom. Fine. I don't think they're at nine, right. Then the Cardinals are at nine now. I mean, they really need a, I don't know, yep. in that spread, in Cliff's system, is a left tackle of the same value? Oh, yeah, I think. Well, yeah. so Kyler Murray can clean up a lot of your messes up for an offensive line because yeah. of his 
ability to uh but no i think you still want to keep that i still think you, you want to keep that left side clean you want to keep both sides clean it okay. doesn't matter left or right you got to be able to keep them both clean because teams flip rushers all the time and they'll go pick on your weak link anyway so it doesn't matter okay uh last question okay the, when the Bengals did uh, start their little playoff run, they drafted A.J. Green in the first round and Andy Dalton in the second round. It's obviously you're getting a lot of attention as a wide receiver class. I think Daniel Jeremiah said it's the best wide receiver class he's seen maybe ever, uh, or something like that. Do you think it's possible to get, say, a wide receiver or a left tackle with your first pick and then top a second round get a starting-level quarterback this year? Because it's kind of, there, there seems like there's five or six names, so maybe you could get one of them at the top of the second uh, I'm asking you yeah, to project a lot, I, but know, I've got to study. I got to study the quarterbacks closer. I did look at them during the summer. We got to see if Jake Fromm comes out. I, I don't think Fromm has the physical gifts of a first round pick. He's really more of an early second type guy, but he's another one. Very smart game manager. Uh, you know what you'd be getting again is potentially another Andy Dalton with a right. lesser arm. Do Jerry uh, Judy in the first round, and well, actually, you wouldn't do him in one. Green, but without without the elite size maybe but yeah speed. yeah and then do from from is andy dalton in the second round for a bunch of teams too uh oh and one more do you think the redskins would look at drafting a quarterback no no they're in they're, they're in, in on not. haskins yeah because the quarter the, the the head coach who wasn't in love with haskins is gone so it doesn't matter so haskins they'll hire have, someone to help haskins yeah, you develop you're going to hire somebody specifically to develop dwayne haskins whoever gets hired is going to have a background with quarterbacks, or it's going to be a successful a guy with a successful head coaching background um, of some sort, at least at some point, who is going to have to hire an offense coordinator slash quarterback guru to work with Haskins. The next head coach is going to get uh, an extension or fired based on Haskins, so you better hire with that in mind. But let's be real. The Redskins, Ryan Day is not going to the Redskins. Lincoln Riley is not going to the Redskins. Urban Meyer... I, I don't, if he's coming back, I don't think it would be. I don't think he's going to the NFL. If he did, no. it would be the Redskins. So you know, I don't know that they're going to get the best possible How offensive about Matt rule. Rule is not going to. He just dealt with the Jets last offseason. You think he wants to? He's going to have better choices than the Redskins. He might have. You know, if you, if you had the choice between USC and the Redskins, or you know, he's. Well, I'd st- well if I'm not wrong, stick it out of Baylor for a while. I think really? you're in the process of building something. Yeah, I'm, I'm not in a big hurry. He's. You have to have have confidence in what you're building over there, yeah. at Baylor. I think before you know it, he'll win a he'll win a conference title. And if your goal is to move up to the NFL, that will be there. If your goal is to go to a bigger school, that yeah. will be there. If your goal is to lock in with your family because you love Waco, that's going to be there. I don't think that's Matt Rule. I think he wants USC, Penn State, or the NFL. Well, I, I, he signed the long term extension, but you know we know what that means. And also, is, is Baylor going to have a better year? Uh, can you believe they lost that game to Oklahoma? Oh, yeah, well, the talent caught up. I mean, yeah. Oklahoma's just more talented. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. I keep giving you last question. Jalen Hurts, Have you You haven't looked at tape yet in this system yet. Yeah, I've looked at some Jalen. I looked at him this summer. I looked at him a little bit this year. First round? Second round? Uh, no. No, I uh, think he's, you know, to me, I think a team might look at him in the third, but okay. I would, I'd say more day three for me. Wow, um, not a, not a great thrower. Doesn't throw with the anticipation. You know what I love about what I love about him is yes, he's mobile and can get yards with his legs. He's durable. He's physical. He's durable, but his leadership is just is unquestioned. His football character, his personal character, 
is outstanding. Um, I just don't know that he is he as a passer. He's not a top three round passer. From in terms of throwing with anticipation, hitting guys in stride, consistency of you know uh, deep ball accuracy. There's some things like that that you look for. He's not going to be that, but he gives you all that leadership. And you know, I Dak is a better pre- Dak was a better quarterback, yep. I think, coming out. But I think there are some similarities in terms of their toughness, um, their ability to get better and improve because he has gotten better as a passer this year. And you know, I, I wasn't big on Dak Prescott. I had him as yep. a third or fourth rounder. I thought he could be a. Uh, I'm sure you guys read this out loud to, da- to, yep. to, to Dak on the show. Sure did. Point. Sure did. You just read. You just read weaknesses, never strengths. Lance, never anything positive. All all publicity is good publicity, buddy. You no, know, Dan Patrick Show loves no, reading not. your stuff. <laughs> no, they like reading redacted elements of the Scott. That is sports. not. Come on. hundred percent accurate. Are you mad so you Jalen about that? Some characteristics and traits of being a winner, being tough. I mean, he's got some stuff that I saw with Dak coming out as well. So we'll see. Um, have you changed in three years? You think from three years ago, you think mobile quarterbacks go higher now because of Lamar Jackson's success. Also rule changes where they're really, really protecting runners. Do you think there's any way you have to reshape the way you analyze quarterbacks? I, I do. I think you got to be careful acting like Lamar Jackson is not an outlier because he is. Lamar Jackson yep. is a quarterback and a running back. He's both. Lamar Jackson runs like Jamal Charles. So nobody in the history of the NFL has ever run like that as a quarterback. When I say run like that, I mean speed, vision, cutback ability. And Lamar's also very good at last-second movements that prevent him from taking hard shots. He doesn't slide so much as he'll go head first, but at an angle where he doesn't really yep. get hit. He's, he's more, he's not passive. He's aggressive going into his slide. So he kind of controls how the contact is going to go. It's the passive quarterbacks who are the ones who get blasted. Yeah. And Lamar Jackson just doesn't take a lot of shots. So acting like other mobile quarterbacks can do what he does as a runner can keep from getting hurt. I don't know if that's accurate. Well, I really only, don't. So yeah, one that can is Kyler. Yeah, we do look at it. We do look at it different. There's no question. And I do think that Baker Mayfield's success in year one opened the door a little bit for Kyler Murray for teams to say, okay, we don't have to have the six foot quarterback. Although yep. Kyler is clearly well below six foot. Kyler avoids hits too, just like Lamar. He is impossible to square up. I and somebody pointed out. Look at any. What's that? He's even better than Lamar. Like yeah, Kyler is. Kyler's like Russell Wilson. Those Can't guys square him up. Don't take solid shots ever. Yep. Yeah, it's interesting. RG three, by the way, I I felt was as good a runner as Lamar. I'm mean, the he, worst at avoiding the hit. hit. Randall Cunningham he could drop like a sack of potatoes whenever he'd run. Randall to me could run almost as well as Lamar too. He was I I don't know you know I'm in Philly I'm biased but Randall could. Man, when he was in the open field and there was a tackler in front of him, that tackler had no chance. But yeah, he was just so different because he was a strider. Yeah, he, he can change the angles on you. The ball can cut it. Yeah, he can elude and wiggle and spin. And I, I, I tell people this all the time. I told him before the draft. Lamar Jackson is an elite, has elite running back characteristics. Interesting. Elite, and I don't use the word elite lightly like other people do. When I say elite, I mean top of the food chain, and that's what he has. And it's just so rare to see that in a running back, not to mention 
a quarterback. Yeah, but then you can't say that because of politics. If you bring that on the national stage, Lance, you know how it is. Like, then you get <laughs> no, into I that Bill Polian area. Switch him to running back. Yeah. I mean, yeah, no, absolutely. You know, I, think you, I totally agree I think with you. you. I know what I you're think saying. You've got to acknowledge how impactful and look at the stats. I mean, uh, no one could argue that he's going to run for over a thousand yards. Yeah. He's going to have one of the best rushing seasons, if not the best rushing season that a quarterback's ever had. Of course, Cam, you know, punched in a bunch of touchdowns. Yeah, but. This guy is, and if you and if you told me, and if you said, and if anyone tried to make the argument, well, he is a he is much more than a runner. Okay, that's fine. I don't care. Make chunk plays. I don't care how you do it. Arms, legs, yep. make chunk plays and don't get hurt. And that's yeah. how you win games. If you tell him to stay in the pocket more, then all of a sudden you're dealing with a Cordell Stewart situation again, where I think Cordell cut his potential career short. Cordell could have been one of the first guys to really say, hey. I can win football games for you doing what I do best and don't put me in a box. Instead, whether it was the, you know, the NFL or whether it was Cordell trying to prove himself from the pocket, I think he, he hurt himself by not being who he was. Yep. I totally agree. I hate who you are. Yeah. Uh, there's a South Dakota state linebacker that is waiting to be studied by you and your little sad uh, cubby and sad cubby in a strip mall in Houston. So I'm going to let you, you go to get to work, buddy. School. Safeties I'm looking at now going <laughs> to the senior bowl. There's some dudes now. There's some physical dudes. Wait until you see this kid from uh I don't even know how you pronounce it. Lenore Rain, I guess. <laughs> Kyle Duger. Wait until you see him. He jumps forty one inches. He's gonna run a four four one and he's like six foot two, two hundred and twenty pounds. He is a monster. How he got to that school, I have no idea. Wait, which one is the college? <laughs> Lenore Rain or Kyle Duger? Lenore Rain, yeah, yeah. The kid is Kyle Duger. The school is like okay. Lenoir Rain or something out of North Carolina. I don't even know. Dude, I, I pity your family right now. I can't imagine now through uh, February. Hey, great. Thank you for the time, Lance. I really appreciate it. Got I it. look forward to it. seeing you soon, buddy. All right, sounds good. <laughs> All right, that was Lance Earline, NFL.com. What do you think, Mario? I thought it was great. I mean, he called out EP on the uh, scouting report stuff that we yeah. do. Yeah, well, he writes the basic capsules we use are Lance's, although Lance has only done it since for about four or five years. Yeah. Before that, it was a very controversial writer. Lance mentioned Nolan Naraki. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we really used to do it. There used to be a lot of very, I would say, overly simplistic write-ups like uh you know there was a lot of white guys or sneaky athletics lance never does that lance is really lance focuses on traits i know exactly lance learned how to scout from chris ballard who's the gm of the colts Mm -hmm. and his dad who was a longtime nfl coach and also jerry angelo who was the bears gm for a long time taught lance his system so lance has a very specific system that you see in his write-ups None of it's that lazy, hey, this is a white guy, he's heady. Yeah. You know, but you know, you motor. still see that out there. High motor, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Although it's hard. And I've talked to Lance about this. When you're a draft writer, there's only so many words you could use to describe a guy. <laughs> yeah, so maybe. if you have a Bosa <laughs> in front of you and he probably is high motor, most great defensive ends are, uh-huh. no matter what color they are. I think, you know, would you not write high motor? Even though anyway, yeah, yeah. it's tricky. But Lance uh Lance always yells at me, he's like, What are you doing? He's just like because <laughs> what happens is he gets in a locker room and guys get mad at him. Yeah, yeah. So I mean a lot of guys, Drew Brees famously yeah. took it with him. No, but not, yeah, Drew Brees. He wasn't, I mean, it's I, not even that level of guys. Like we do it with like Larry Fitzgerald and Drew Brees. Mm-hmm. They'll be like second and third year players who'll be like, Lance, why'd you write this about me? Oh. And, and Lance is like, look at the positives. Why does everyone look at the negatives? Which he just said. Yeah, yeah. But uh speaking negative, let's talk Cincinnati Bengals. Uh 
We're going to bring in the athletics, Paul Daner Jr., longtime Bengals beat reporter, who will either confirm or deny my theory that the Cincinnati Bengals are purposely losing. All right, Paul, let's just get straight to it. Are the Cincinnati Bengals tanking? Uh, partially, I'm kind of calling it a hedge tank. Okay. Uh, because, you know, by playing Ryan Finley, no one uh, would contend that playing Ryan Finley gives you the best chance to win over playing Andy Dalton. But it does give you a chance to be one of two things. Either A, Ryan Finley wins a couple of games and plays decently, and you see that he he is, in fact, maybe an option for you going forward in the draft if you don't like the quarterbacks or you end up in like a secondary quarterback market in the draft or something, or B, like we saw in Oakland on Sunday, he's terrible. He costs you wins, so you stay in line for that number one overall pick. So I think this move is the Bengals realizing, okay, it's not going to be Andy Dalton in the future, so let's go ahead and do this thing where if it goes poorly, we end up with the quarterback we want, or if it goes well, we end up in a situation where now we learn something good about Ryan Finley. So is if that called tanking, I would say if you're not playing your best player yeah. that can give you the best chance to win, probably. I have a real problem with this. First of all, I'm like one of the rare national Andy Dalton fans, but you just said it. You're not playing the guy who could give you the best chance to win. I also wonder from Zach Taylor's perspective, you know, I don't know that I take one for the team if I'm him. I almost want to put in Dalton, too, because I don't want to be a coach of a one- or two-win team or a zero-win team. Do you think Zach Taylor is, is sort of helping out the organization in a way that doesn't serve his best interest? This was Zach's call. Um, I mean, he— Are you sure? He sees, yeah, it, absolutely, 100%. Okay. This, was, this was the call that he wanted to make, Okay, and he, he, they like what they saw in Ryan Finley. And, and, they, and they, he knows, look— He's in a rare place here where the Bengals are the organization that will give him an actual chance to let his plan play out over the long haul. They're not going to fire him after this year. Mm -hmm. You know, he he has a long haul that he can feel some security with. He has that advantage here. Most coaches don't. And I think for that fact – he, he thinks maybe Ryan Finley could be an answer. They they drafted him for a reason. He was fairly well liked as far as that level in the draft. They, he showed pretty well in preseason. And so the thought is, well, maybe this will work here. And they, But they didn't know. He, they're trying to evaluate everybody. And he's the only player really on their team that they hadn't had a chance to evaluate. Right. So he figures they can learn if he, if he is a guy, if he turns out to be, you know, named Dak Prescott or whoever type eventually, then you would start to learn that now. And I think he wanted to learn and have all that on the table for when they really do the true gutting of the roster and the formation of everything going forward. And more importantly, have to make that call about quarterback in the draft, you know, depending mm-hmm. on where they're picking. It is the absolute defining decision of what would be his time here, whether it is long or very short, will be whether he gets that decision right. And I think he wants to have all the information in front of him. Isn't it a shame, though, that they're going to probably draft a quarterback, you'd imagine, but they've had the worst defense in the league. This will be the second year running. I mean, maybe they won't end up number 32. The defense has been so bad. I feel like everyone focuses on the quarterback nationally, this is, and nobody focuses on the fact that they haven't been able to tackle anybody in forever. How are they going to fix that defense? I mean, they're going to have to go out of their comfort zone, which is into free agency a little bit. What's going to happen, the focus is going to be on what it should have been on last year, and that is scorched earth in the linebacker room. Oh, yeah. Nobody can stay. This should have happened last year. The fact that it didn't is pretty much an indictment on them in the first place. It, it's it's unbelievable the the pace 
that they that they have been on. I mean, they they allowed over 450 yards in four straight games, and that is no team had ever done that in since the merger in in the NFL, except for one other team. You know who that was? The 2018 Cincinnati Bengals. <laughs> Both of them. I mean, it is unbelievable, and it's, that goes to show you. Well, hey, maybe it's not the coaching. Maybe it's your roster's bad. Yeah, and I think that's the case on defense, and that's it is all about the linebackers. They have none. Oh. They have not one functional linebacker that can play. They have to get a couple of guys in here. That means being willing to spend and maybe overpay in free agency for that position, which is something they just historically, as you know have not done. And so we'll see if they actually make it happen. I do think there is a significant push inside of the building from this new coaching staff to take that route. You remember the Saints game last year or the Browns game last year? This year, I mean, listen, what Lamar Jackson did to them was just silly. It looked like a video game. But last year I thought was even worse. Can I ask you, um, when they look at draft prospects, does local play into what the Bengals are thinking? The fact that Joe Burrow is from Ohio or Chase Young went to Ohio State, is that even a consideration or is that just something people write in mock drafts? I think that's something people write in in, in mock drafts. Okay. I, I think they just want a guy that's going to win. I mean, they're they have they have, they went a long stretch without taking anybody from Ohio State, which is kind of a crazy thing when it's right up the road. Um, the last few years they have, but they, I mean, it was like a 15 year stretch where they hardly did anybody. They took Sam Hubbard um, and uh, mm. they took Michael Jordan this past year. So there's a couple of guys, but outside of that, um, they stayed away. So, I, but I, you know, with that decision. I mean, it is such a massive decision. If you take anything about like where he's from into it, it would be such an injustice. And I don't, I don't get any impression that that's uh, something they would view as an issue. Was there any discussion of when Tua got hurt? I think Tua is clearly going to move down in the draft. Do you think that's a guy that they would have eyeballed style wise, and what Zach Taylor kind of looks at it in quarterback? I do. I mean, yeah, yeah for sure. I mean, they they want somebody who is going to be a quick processor, who's going to be accurate, mm-hmm. uh, who's going to be able to make plays when necessary outside of the pocket. I mean, you know, that's that's who he is. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, certainly him and Joe Burrow, I think most see or did see as that top tier. And then you start talking about the other guys. And I think that's, you know, we got a long way to go as far as all that goes. As you know, we have a lot of time to spill between now and yeah. uh, April, uh, but you know that I think absolutely he would have been in the discussion. And who knows? Maybe, maybe he still is. We'll see what that looks like if it's, you know, looking into the idea of moving back and t- you know, there's all kinds of scenarios to play out between now and then. So, remember that year that Andy Dalton hurt his thumb when he was trying oh. to tackle the, the Steelers guy? That was the best Andy Dalton year, and I feel like history was robbed of my Andy Dalton MVP run. How at, at peak. Bengals offense, how good was how good were both Andy Dalton and A.J. Green? I mean, obviously Hall of Fame level for A.J. Green, but I think Andy Dalton was elite for a brief period of time. Uh, I mean, he has the highest passer rating for a single season in franchise history. That's a franchise that has Boomer Esiason and Ken Anderson, who should be and probably will soon be in the Hall of Fame. Yes. Uh, Carson Palmer. All these guys um, are here, and he had the best season. That, that 2015 team, there is no doubt to me. that If you remember that year, the AFC was wide open. I mean, Denver ends up playing Carolina. That Denver team was huge, had so many flaws. They benched Peyton Manning. Yep. It was a terrible year. The AFC was wide open, and Andy Dalton was having a huge year. The Bengals started 8-0. They were cruising. That roster was so deep. Yeah, Mo Sanu and Marvin Jones and A.J. Green and Tyler Eifert and uh, Andrew Whitworth. I mean, the line was mm. great there, too. They had a very they had a good defense. Paul Gunther was their defensive coordinator. And... 
and he breaks his thumb. So, and the one, the biggest knock why he is so polarizing and national people take so many hits at him is because so many of them only watch primetime and playoff yep. games. Yep. And Andy has had so many bad, so many stinkers there. And obviously, early in his career, those playoff losses very much on him. He has to own it and has owned it. But those came before I thought he really elevated himself as a quarterback. We never got to see the elevated Andy Dalton in the postseason like we would have seen that year. There is no doubt in my mind that team would have definitely beat the Steelers in the meltdown game. Uh, and and who knows what they would have done if they would have been that year's Denver or really that year's Carolina. Yeah. Cam Newton has some similarities in that way too where that was kind of outlier year for him a little bit. So you know, you look at that season, it is it is one of those where Bengals fans can only wistfully think about what could have been, and Marvin Lewis certainly does. Marvin Lewis's two far and away best teams, he had to play in the postseason without his starting quarterback. Yeah. Carson Palmer tears his knee up in 05, Andy Dalton hurts his thumb in 15. It's, it's just part of the Marvin Lewis sadness around here. To be honest, I was a little torn on that, the meltdown game, because I was like, well, if A.J. McCarron wins a Bengals playoff game before Andy Dalton, that's yeah. going to look bad for my guy. <laughs> but that, That's how attainable that game was, but it's unbelievable. Perfect, took care of that. Uh, now, okay, so uh, you mentioned Ken Anderson as a Hall of Famer. I know one other person in my life who talks about Ken Anderson as a Hall of Famer, and his name is Dan Patrick. Can you explain yeah. your connection to my boss and my guy, Dan Patrick? <laughs> Well, I mean, I grew up. I grew up in uh, in the suburbs of Cincinnati, uh, and uh, his nephew is one of my best friends uh, since I was like six years old. And it should it should be known when I was over at his house when I was a, a wee little fourth or fifth grader. I thought I was a nice little basketball player. We had a little game. Uh, we were just shooting around outside on the driveway, and here comes Dan Patrick out onto the driveway. And uh, he wanted to play a little game of pink, so he did. And you would think, you know, playing with a couple little kids, his nephew, his nephew's friend he doesn't really know real well, probably take it easy on him, you know, let him, yeah. let him do all right. No, absolutely <laughs> housed us in this game of pink. We had no shot. Totally crushed, totally crushed me. And I, and I couldn't have been happier to have been crushed. Uh, but it was, yeah, but he, was, he was not about taking it easy on us. That, and that's the story of my life right there. Basically, <laughs> he, I'm waiting for him to take it easy on me, and he hasn't. That's pretty cool, Paul. Uh, you know, what? I'll give you one uh, last question here. 0-16 a possibility? Oh, if you're 0-10, 0-16 a possibility. <laughs> there is no, no doubt about that. I, I do think that you're seeing some small signs of progress for yep. this team, and there are some attainable games. you got a couple of Browns games, Miami, the Jets, even Pittsburgh this weekend. Uh, I think, yeah. mark my words, I think they'll have a chance this one with the mess that Pittsburgh is right now. Um, so I, there's attainable wins, but there's been attainable wins on the schedule, and they've been terrible. So we'll see uh, if, if they find a way to get one. But yeah, 0-16, absolutely. Yeah. Marvin would probably won seven games with this team. Uh, anyway, I digress. <laughs> I really appreciate the time. Hey, let's talk in uh, February when the whole, you know, then we can get excited about the Bengals. Yeah, I have a feeling uh, my, uh, my my phone will be ringing uh, off the hook, I imagine, for a few months there. And everyone wants to know who they're going to take at number one. Uh, so yeah. uh, by I way, can just uh, yeah. direct them to Joe Burrow, I think, will probably be. I'll just put that on my voicemail. And that narrative about picking a local guy, that's gonna you know that's going to blow up. That'll be like, oh, Chase Young went to Iowa State. I'm saying it now, but that what else are you going to talk about in April? Everyone's going to talk about Joe Burrow's Ohio roots. Yeah, well, look. For me, you know, you know how it is when you're uh, when you're a scribe. 
be you just looking for selfishly for your angle. I am a graduate of Ohio University wow. in Athens, Ohio, where Joe Burrow is from. I have the ultimate tie. You know how many times I can go back to my college bars and drink and just expense it and hope that everybody is like, just ask anybody if they know Joe Burrow or have any good Joe Burrow stories. There you like, go. This is the dream for me to see that to see that play out from a completely selfish writer uh, standpoint. Yes, but you and if correct me if I'm wrong, you will always be the second most famous football writer out of Ohio University. Well, yeah, I'm farther down the list than that, but yeah, I think Peter King will, will definitely be holding that uh, hold, holding that light well above all of us for a long time. Did Peter Peter claims to have played some baseball there? Do we have any verification of this? I have no. I have no verification, but in fairness, I have never. Uh, I've never searched the, icro, the, 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 the archives. Never gone through the microfiche. Uh, I've never. I've never. I've never looked for this. Uh, if it's in there, it's possible. But I, I. You know, I'm not the person to ask. Oh, okay. All right. Well, you got a lot coming up to do. Come, uh, come draft time. Now, just hopefully you'll survive these next six weeks. Really appreciate the time, Paul, and uh, we'll talk soon. No problem, Sander. <laughs> All right, that was funny. I, I love DP stories. That is the most on-brand DP story to beat a bunch of kids and pig. Oh, yeah. It reminds me, I don't know if you've ever seen the movie Rushmore when Bill Murray blocks a shot of the little kid. Yeah, awesome dance story. Great stuff on the Bengals. He seems to have a great sense of humor about the Bengals, which I guess you kind of need. I mean, if you're covering, a, a, what is he going to just be beat up about it? I mean, yeah. they're not going anywhere at this point. <laughs> Try to have some fun with it. Yeah, good call. Uh, and Lance, obviously, it's funny. Once you get started, Talk, talking draft with Lance, like you can, if you're a draft fan, which a lot of NFL fans are, you can go on for two hours and he knows he's mm. got the goods. So he knows which quarterbacks are good. Uh, but you know, that's week 12. I let's focus on some winning teams next week. What okay. do you think? Yeah. Yeah. The All Jets. Right. We got the losers out. What? Jets. They're coming back. I mean like globally winning. Not that they've won two in a row, which has been pretty miraculous. I was joking. If you just dropped onto Earth from Mars in the last two weeks, you would think the Falcons and the Jets are, are like the, like the, the teams, teams to beat. Yeah. Well, the, I don't understand what happened with them. All right, we'll get into all that next week. Thanks for listening. Make sure you subscribe. This is the Against the Grain podcast with Andrew Perloff and Mario. Yeah. Thanks for watching or listening. Oh, boy. Against the Grain. Against the Grain.